What's up, everybody? Paul Hickey here with NoOffSeason.com. I am the host of the Sports Card Strategy Show. And today we're here to talk golf on the Golf Card Strategy Show with my man, Mike LaCousta. Mike, how you doing? What's up, Paul? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Before we get into the show today, uh, I want to let the listeners know we're going to talk about several items related to golf cards, um, buys, sells, watch list. Uh, there's some stuff going on in the community chat, I think on Facebook. Um, but uh, I wanted to talk about real quick how we met because I think it's kind of cool. You and I figured out that, okay, I thought we met in the Card Talk Facebook group first. Um, but actually, we met technically through the fact that I bought a card from you on eBay an Oscar Piastri Tops Chrome Ray Wave Refractor SGC 10, which looks right. sweet in the in the black tux. Totally. And and then, but where I recognize your name was from the Card Talk Facebook group because obviously, like on eBay, you don't really you don't necessarily know the person's name. And you were and uh, you were kind of like we were talking. There was an F1 discussion in the Card Talk Facebook group. And you were like, and I was participating and you were like, Hey Paul, what about Oscar? And it was kind of funny. Cause I think <laughs> you were like nicely baiting me into then telling me that I had bought your card. And I thought that that's just kind of a cool story. Like for those of you who are, who are just finding either the sports card strategy show or this show, the golf card strategy show. Um, Mike is, is uh, golf underscore card underscore collector on Instagram. And he does a lot of amazing things, creating golf card content. This only being one of them. Uh, he's got a Facebook group and he'll throw that out there in a second. But I wanted to give a shout out to the card talk guys real quick be, for putting together that community, because I think that is really where Mike and I kind of connected. And then Mike reached out to me about creating content together. So here we are. But if you guys want Tyler to get on the show, because he's a golf card guy, he says he is. He's, he and I have actually become good friends in real life uh, through meeting at card shows and stuff like that. And I've done some some work for 1.37 p.m. recently. Um, so if you want Tyler to join us, I think what you got to do, because he's so busy, is probably hit him up on Twitter and Instagram and tell him that you heard us talking about him and the Card Talk group, giving those guys love. He and Ryan and Lou say a lot of smart things on their show. So I want to give them some love. All right, Mike. I just needed to get that out because I was listening to them earlier today and I felt like, you know what? We don't necessarily always give other shows props on this show, but I wanted to get, because you and I kind of met in that way, I thought it was relevant. To yeah, give, for sure. Give them a little bit of love at, at the top here. You're a little uh, behind on your shows though, because I think they air on Wednesday morning. So if you just listen to them today, you're two days behind. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, and actually I'll admit, I have not listened to another sports card podcast in months literally months and and so i'm a runner and, and when i run i usually listen to music but i kind of got sick of listening to music and i started listening to the episodes of card talk that i have missed so mm, i'm nice. way behind i'm like weeks behind um i didn't even know that they had started some new segments and stuff but they're doing a really good job and that's uh, awesome yeah, right. as, as a runner um check out usain bolt sports illustrated for kids rookie card i've been i had that one on my ebay nice. saved save searches for a while haven't come across one that was the right grade and that i really wanted to pull the trigger on and i'm disappointed that elliot kipchoge doesn't have 
a Sports Illustrated for Kids card as like the goat of marathon running. So it's another guy I've been trying to find some kind of card or memorabilia for, but I haven't found any. I feel like we could start another podcast. A running, this, a running card strategy. Potentially, but for Sports Illustrated for Kids cards. Like mm. that's that's another niche where, you know, that's where you probably get uh, all of the the runners and, and Olympians and things like that. So that's pretty cool. Um, speaking of that, all right. Scotty Scheffler has a 2017 Sports Illustrated for Kids card. Mm. If you're watching on YouTube right now, it's actually up above my head. <laughs> uh, I did not buy that because I feel like the, we talked about that in the last episode, like, should I buy that? I haven't pulled trigger yet because uh, I just feel like with him being so hot right now that the prices are a little bit inflated, but I do, that'll be one that I think because he is still young and should be dominant for a long time. Maybe I'll look for a, a better time to buy that one. But um, anyway, my job is to try to keep us on track here because Mike is the golf cart expert. So I know you had some things that, that were kind of going on that you wanted to talk about. Um, so if you don't have the show notes in front of you, Mike, yeah, I can remind you, you, please you prompt might. me. I actually don't have any of my notes in front of me. So get, All right. get, throw something out there and then I'll talk about it. Diamond relics set. Right. So um, I recently joined ComC and somehow serendipitously at the same time I joined within a few days, some other guy, I assume he's in Canada as well. Um, Cause his name was hockey something or other um, posted a whole bunch of golf cards that he had clearly ripped or won in breaks or something like that. And his prices were really reasonable. So um, he happened to have all four of the cards I was missing for my set. So um, his, 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 his listings were not or best offer. They were just set prices. So I just pulled the trigger on all four of them, completed my set. And on top of that, he had a few extras listed for like $7, $11. So I even picked up a couple of duplicates. So I might even work on a second set. Nice. Congratulations. That's got to feel good. All right. And then speaking of congratulations, you've got baby number two on the way, right? That was your other note for uh, what's going on. <laughs> yeah. That's just on a personal level. I'm spending a lot of time getting the, uh, we bought a crib, we bought furniture where I am right now, which is my office is going to turn into baby number two's nursery. So there's that's on my mind every day. It's just the changes to our family and our home for sure. That's awesome. All right. So you've got buys and sells next up. So um some sales. You want to walk us through some of your your sales that you made uh, yeah, so, recently. So something that because I've been so short on time with the baby coming and work and everything being busy, um, I shipped off a bunch of cards to ComC. And something that I found really interesting is um, it takes a long time for them to post the cards uh, at eBay auction. There's a couple of ways you can sell through ComC. Um, for those who aren't familiar, it's COMC, which stands for Check Out My Cards. Um, it's a website that has, you can purchase cards on their own website and they have those same cards listed on eBay. So you can actually purchase it through either platform. And um, I sent them probably about 20 cards and just their simple eBay auction because I wanted to just get the money, not, not wait for people to, to buy it now or whatever. Um, a handful of golf cards, a uh, few Lando Norris F1 cards. And then uh, I, I had sent them in in advance of John Jones in the UFC making his heavyweight debut. He's the greatest of all time in the UFC. 
And uh, I didn't realize it would take like over a month for Com C to actually list my stuff for auction. So the auctions didn't even start until after his fight had ended. So I was kind of bummed about that. Fortunately, he absolutely killed in the fight. And he is now the heavyweight champion of the world and the better greatest of all time than he was before. So uh, those cards are selling pretty well. My auctions are, are and, and golf cards prices have kind of kept going up ever since you and I first started talking. So um, even the golf cards that I, I put for auction are doing really well. Something I learned though is lower end stuff. Like if I had a card, I was hoping to make $15 on a com C auction, it could easily sell for four or $5, which is a bummer. Mm -hmm. And com C has an auction fee of three fifty. So one example is Kevin Na, um, who plays in live now and probably in some of the majors if he's qualified for them. Um, yeah, it sold for like $4 and 30 cents or something like that. And so pretty much gave the card away for free. Um, what other cards like that? Do you do you have to pay? So sorry to interrupt you. On the Com C note, I'm just kind of curious um, because I've never used Com C. I'm somewhat familiar with it. I think the reason why I didn't use it is because uh, the number, like the sheer number of cards, I think volume wise that you have to send in, if I recall, to meet a specific criteria, I just didn't have that many. But are you, uh, can you walk the listeners quickly through why you're choosing Com C rather than listing the cards yourself? Is it because they're raw. Is it because you don't want to hold them? Is it because there's, you there's a few them? reasons. Yeah. So, so first and foremost, it's just a lot of work to list. Like I've, I've even got a handful of like a dozen cards that I would love to just have on my eBay for buy it now prices and fish for offers. And I haven't even got around to listing them and that's only 12 cards. So imagine if I want to offload 20, 30, 40 cards. Um, roughly speaking, I've heard other guys talk about this. It takes, Oh, like if you're working really hard and you're really good at it, you can get like 20 cards listed an hour, which isn't that, you know what I mean? Like that's it not very efficient. That's very true. Yeah. And, and if you don't have a lot of time on your hands, so that's first and foremost. But the other thing is they get a lot of exposure. So a lot of, um, especially being a Canadian, the only people really watching my auctions personally are either Canadians or Americans or people around the world who are open to international sellers. I've got around that a little bit because um, since I use checkout my cards, there's a shipping address on my eBay account that it does have a U.S. address. So I'm able to post cards as if I'm like from the U.S. or at least it, it says U.S. dollars on the prices. Mm -hmm. So Americans aren't too concerned when they look at it, um, but it's still shipping from Canada. Um, so so that's another reason is exposure. Um and then I think lastly, I just wanted to get my money quickly because I've been buying up a lot. We're going to talk about some of my buys. And I just wanted to to fund those purchases. And I was just looking for a way to get the money quickly so I can pay off my card that I used to buy these, these other cards. Um, Com C had pretty reasonable um, uh, fees. So I think it was, I, I don't remember, it was something like seven, seven to 10% uh, commission for Com C on a, an auction sale. A minimum of $3.50. So if you sell a card for $5, you're not making anything. Mm -hmm. So you certainly want to be selling things for, they actually have a recommendation of $50 and above is, is what you, what you should use for their auction services. Um, I was disappointed when I sent in my, um, shoot, what's his name? I'm pulling a blank, but I had like a, a veteran golf, um, shadow box, 
uh, auto and it, it, it sold for $23 or something like that. Okay. And, and I paid more than that, you know, a year ago when golf carts weren't even really a big thing. So somebody I think got a deal. Um, whereas on the flip side, some of my other stuff like Sergio Garcia, uh, players Inc PSA 10 sold for $177 us. And I was really happy with that price. I mean, I, I think it could have sold for more. It could have maybe sold up to 250 ish. Um, but it was auction, got the sale done. I don't have to worry about it. And I bought that card for $20. I graded it with PSA. Today, that would cost 18 bucks. I think I paid 30, which was a little mm -hmm. while ago when, yep. when their fees were higher. So I got 50 bucks into it to make 177. Uh, even if you take off the seven to 10% fees, uh, it's great. Um, what ends up happening with Comp C is you, you actually don't get that cash payment. It, it is paid to you as a credit on your Comp C account. This is another way they kind of hit you in order to cash out your Comp C credits into money in your bank. It's like an extra 10% fee. Okay. So if and, I, and or you can use it on the, on their marketplace. You can use it on their marketplace without any extra fees. So yeah. out of the 177 using Sergio Garcia as an example, um, let's just call it a 10% auction fee. I don't remember exactly what it was, but so I paid, paid them $17 for the auction. So uh, 160 net. Um, so if I wanted to cash out, uh, they'd take an extra 16 bucks. So I'd be getting 144 in my bank. Yep. Um, so you mentioned the Sergio Garcia, uh, Kevin, nah, you also sold the Fred couples, three tiger cards and then you, you yeah. missed. Uh, you said you missed an offer on a one of one hail early. <laughs> so uh, Fred Couples is is the vet I was talking about. Okay. Um, Tiger cards. Here's the thing: I, I fall into these traps all the time. I see like a good auction on eBay. I throw in a price that I think is really reasonable. Usually something that's lower than it would actually cost the card to get graded. And if it's a gem mint card, then it's like great. I just bought a gem mint, you know, ten for less than it would cost somebody to actually grade that card. And that's yep. what happened with these two Tiger Woods. They're two thousand three. Um, he's got a set of seven majors cards cause back in 2003, he had only won seven majors at that time. And, um, I, at the time I bought them thinking, great, I'm going to, I'm going to collect all seven of them. I'm going to make a set cause I'm a little bit of a set collector, but then you fall into this trap because you overextend yourself. You try to collect too many different types of cards. And I was sitting on them for like six months. I, I had a few of the other ones in my grading pile and I never got around to sending them in. I never found any other SGC 10s on auctions to buy. And I just realized either I spend my whole life trying to fill out this set, which may or may not actually have value to anyone else other than me, or I can just send these cards off, auction them off. They sold for about the same price as I bought them for. So I ended up in a loss just based on auction fees. But um, hey, we've you, all been in that boat. You live for and learn. Sure. For <laughs> um, sure. And then the, um, the one of one. So I have a Hale Irwin, who's a three-time US Open champion. And up until recently, he was also the, the, the highest earner and, and most wins on the Champions Tour. Um, that's 50, and 50 years old and plus. Um, he, was current, he was recently beat out by Bernhard Langer. Um, okay. All so anyways, names I'm familiar with, by the way, because I'm an awesome. older golf fan. <laughs> so I, I, I know those guys for sure. So speaking of my own eBay account, this is another reason why it's tricky to have your own <laughs> trying to do sales yourself. I, I didn't miss it. I, I, I had it posted. I think it was like $600 or best offer. Somebody threw out there a $250 offer. Looking back, I really just wish I had accepted it. I mean, mm -hmm. 
it, value is in, in the holder when it comes to a one of one. I mean, I think it could be worth anywhere from $200 to $600, depending on who wants it. Um, but I, literally, it's the only offer I've ever received on that posting. And I threw it up maybe on Facebook once and never didn't get any replies. That's another one where maybe I'll throw it out to ComC and it might sell at auction for 300 And, you know, there I made my 250 that I was hoping for. But I'm just kind of bummed because, you know, I'm making purchases for cards that I'd rather have. Yeah, and, and you want to get that money in the, you know, in in the bank, back in the bankroll, right? So and you can, can't contact the the seller when it comes to eBay. You can't yeah. change your mind a few weeks later. Contact them, say, hey man, you mind sending me an offer right. again? Exactly. It, so, so I think like to, to that point, I've noticed one thing I've been thinking about a lot recently is I, I throw up a lot of buy it nows because. I know Kendall and Andy Kaysen and Rob Masora, those, those three, are, those are three guys that have been on the show and, and create content here at the no offseason.com sports card content network with me quite often. And their, their strategy is throw it up in a buy it now so that it's up there and then lower the price kind of like your own personal Dutch auction. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I just don't get that much success on that. Even if the card is like, a legit banger card auctions typically are where I'm getting a ton of, of action on eBay and just not a lot of action on the buy it now, like less watchers, less offers. The offers seem to be a little bit low ball. And so I wonder, I mean, on the Hale Irwin, I'm with you. First of all, like I feel your pain. Cause like when I Mm -hmm. get an offer, if it's, if it's going to give me a little bit of profit and money back in the, in the bankroll, I, even if it's not the number that I was hoping for, I tend to really get tempted by accepting the offer for the reason that you just that you just told me. Now, if I were to if I were to flip that into an auction, though, um, you know, I wonder how that would do. I don't know that the Hale Irwin card would do well. I'm just saying in general, I'm wondering what you know what you and the audience think of 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 your experience with the buy it now versus the auctions on eBay. Well, the other trap you can fall into with buy it nows is you can do a counter offer that's even just slightly higher than what they offered and it just never gets responded to. And they never and you miss out on the exactly. sale. So that, that's actually what happened. So yeah. there was a, a different one of one hail. 275 and then they, they never respond or something. Oh, seriously. So mine is the inked driver version. There was a different hail or uh one of one. I think it may have been an exquisite, which is a little bit of a nicer higher end brand and it sold for like 330 or something like that so I, I and and that was you know kind of mid-winter when prices were a lot lower for the entire sports card market so in my eyes i saw an offer of 250 i thought you know another one of one sold for 330 which could very well be worth 400 today because golf cards have been going up the whole market's yeah. been going up i thought you know mine's slightly lower end but it's worth at least 300 but the guy didn't even respond so um, don't, don't fall into that trap folks. Just accept if, uh, if you get, if you get those <laughs> yeah. offers, just accept. Um, and if you, do, if you do fall into the trap, maybe flip it back into an auction and see what you can, what you can move it for. So but I find, so yeah, buy, sorry, it now is, buy it now was actually working really well for me. Let's okay. say, um, a year or two ago when, when there was a lot of buzz in sports cards and, and it's coming back, like, yeah. you, you know, the market's coming back, but a year or two ago, I got a lot of watchers, a lot of views, a lot of offers on my listings. Nowadays, not so much. Maybe it'll start to pick up. Um, but I think the biggest part is is how many people have uh, followed you on eBay. So they can get alerts. They can check out your listings more frequently. And I think the the 
more sales you do, the more watchers you have, the more likely eBay is to start throwing your stuff into their algorithm. So as some, you know, lowly guy in Canada, I agree. I sells agree a handful that, of cards a month. Yeah. Yeah. What, what you just said, I think is a good point for the audience is that, and I'm curious to the audience feedback on this. So let us know in the comments what your experience is with this, but when you can make a sale, I do end up thinking that that's better for your overall long-term goal of like building your eBay store. And then it'll help you, I think, monetize more in the long run, even just to, even just to break even on some stuff that's like base or basic and not as desirable, not as rare. If you can move that stuff in your eBay account uh, or whatever your selling platform is of choice, you're building up I think you're, you're, like you said, Mike, the likelihood that somebody would follow you or, you know, I've got a, a few people that are like, just buy all, like they, they're like loyal buyers of, of my cards. And I, I don't have a huge eBay store or anything like that, but um, I think it does, it does speak to, you know, being able to, to build, build on your, your sale, even if it's not like a huge sale. So speaking of, uh, buying cards which i agree mm. with you i think that the market is seems very very strong right now you've made some purchases uh recently as well in the golf card world you want to walk us through i've got them pulled up here so if you need Pull me to them up, you with the first one and i'll talk about it all right bryson dechambeau exquisite rookie auto so you and i have had a little bit of banter about you know you favoring scotty scheffler and colin morikawa and then i'm favoring these guys who have fallen out of the limelight um the, the live players, Matthew Wolf, Bryson DeChambeau. Maybe I'm super dumb or maybe I'm brilliant. I'll leave that up to everybody to, to decide for themselves. But the card I picked up is one of the ones we've talked about before. We were looking at the Colin Morikawa um, exquisite that was uh, pulled out of Goodwin Champions 2021. Um, they inserted the retro style of upper deck exquisite like the same lebron james rookie auto style and um because of that iconic appearance um and just the aesthetic of the card you even agreed last time we talked out of all the different um rookie autos and rookie patch autos that we looked at that's the one you were most drawn to i totally get it it's got a very simple but elegant kind of style to it i don't know if you're able to pull anything up on the screen but um yeah, try to find something so um anyways i i was you know, I, I paid $155 last time out of a, a Bryson DeChambeau numbered out of 10 rookie patch auto out of artifacts. So when this one came up on auction, I decided, you know what, I'll see if I can snag it for the same price. I think I put 170 as my max bid and ended up winning at 160. So um, I was really happy with the purchase. Uh, it's numbered out of 49. It's beautiful blue ink. Bryson DeChambeau has one of the most beautiful autographs out of all professional golfers. Possibly great looking signature. You're right possibly um the only one who could compete with him i mean tiger woods has a brilliant signature as well so i mean his his is iconic um but colin morikawa funny enough the other guy that is maybe um on more on your side of the fence um also has a, a stunning autograph so um i don't know if i have a word misspelled here i apologize to the audience but i am finding like leaf autos of him Type Bryson DeChambeau exquisite. I have Bryson DeChambeau exquisite auto typed in and uh, I'm not finding anything, hmm. but um, let's, let's keep searching. And Greeny Green is in the house. He says uh, back to our earlier comment about buy it now versus auctions. He likes dollar auctions. 
that's a good yep and uh posting friday posting fridays for buy it now so greeny green are you posting any today because it's friday i'm curious that's a really good point i i really like what he said there because or he or she um because uh if you post on a friday the ebay algorithm is most likely to shove your listing um to potential buyers it's, it's not that one um they're more likely to show shove your listing to potential buyers um, if it's a brand new listing. Uh, people are most likely to respond to listings on weekends or like Friday afternoons when they're getting off work. Um, so I, I like what, what they said there. So um, if you if you even type like, so by the way, for those who are just listening, um, Paul's surfing through eBay trying to find the listing of the card that I bought. Um, Paul, why don't you try like, you could type out of 49, yeah, um, and I might do sold listings too because it could be that. Oh, you definitely need to do sold listings. There so aren't, there, there, there aren't any listed right now, and that's there the are problem. two listed right now on Com C. I think they're listed for like twelve hundred dollars or something. But um, if you look for sold listings, uh, yeah. Um, I'm gonna right, everybody here. Oh, there it is. it is. Yeah, that top one. Sorry about every yeah. So for everyone listening on Spotify and Apple, we're looking at now we're looking at a beautiful Bryson DeChambeau exquisite rookie autograph. Great signature. I like the photo. That's a great looking card. Is that the one you bought? That's the exact listing, yeah. Okay, let me uh let me give everybody on YouTube a better view of this card. Here it is. So I don't All know right, how you can so go wrong with that purchase. I mean, Mike same as this one, same discussion we had think, last time. So walk us through like your play here. Is this a PC? Is this a flip? What are you thinking? So for me, this checks all the boxes because it's something I like because it's golf. It's a golfer. I'm all right with, I know a lot of people have beef with Bryson. I don't. Um, and it is a, a recognizable brand in exquisite rookie auto um, short printed. It's out of, numbered out of 49 um, personally speaking, I'd love to just keep this card in my personal collection. So that those are the kinds of investments I make because if the card ends up dipping and diving up and down in value and it's only worth a hundred dollars tomorrow. Well, I mean, and again, who, who, who says it's only worth a hundred dollars? Cause this card only gets auctioned every, right. And it's you know, only six months of them. So it's a tough, it's going to be, it's, it's not going to be super liquid just by the nature of it. So I think at the end of the day, if I no longer wanted this card, I could easily find somebody to buy it they would pay at least what I paid for it. I imagine uh, if I am in a bind and I have to get rid of it quickly and somebody's squeezing me trying to make a flip on it and is only willing to pay a hundred dollars or $120. Is that really the end of the world? If I lose $40 on this card, not really. Um, but I think as upside, if all the live players end up getting to come back to PGA or if live takes off or if Bryson wins the long drive, world championship so bryson is such a dynamic golfer he won the u.s open he was dominating on the pga tour flipped over to live he has competed in multiple long drive competitions and been very competitive in them um he's known for being the scientist so he's tried out different things that other golfers have never done one length irons fat super grips on his irons um uh he bulked up 45 pounds to try and hit the ball further he he and his caddy Tim, who I think they may have split now, but Tim and Bryson, when you used to watch PGA coverage, would be talking about air density, humidity, moisture on the green, direction of the grain, what angle his club should go to, all this scientific stuff. And he'd be doing like calculations and lookup tables in his green book. Like he just was fascinating to me. So I, I just think he's the kind of guy who's going to be around in professional golf for a long time. So um, ten years from now, if 
this, you know, he's, he's off the radar. So be it. And I'm happy with the card. If something happens in his favor, I imagine the card could easily double in value. Makes sense. So then you, am I right that you completed a Matthew Wolf PMG rainbow or you're no, not quite. I'm working on it. Okay. Tell us about that. So I I told you, I think in episode one, I, I, one or two, I finally picked up the um, Matthew Wolf one of one precious metal gems. And I was ecstatic about picking up and I already had the retro red one. And uh, so on a couple of auctions, I just threw out uh, bids of like $10, $12 to pick up some of the other serial numbers. So I won the out of 50, out of 100, out of 75. Um, and then since I joined Com C, I ended up picking up the number, the blue out of 25 uh, for like 36 bucks. Maybe I overpaid. I don't know if anybody else would pay $36 for that Matthew Wolf card, but it's numbered out of 25. So hard, hard to find those. Um, so right now, the only one I'm missing technically is the green out of 10. So if anybody's come across Matthew Wolf, Precious Metal Gems, uh, the the base card, green number out of 10, uh, I'm looking for that, as well as the retro. So I've got the red retro. There's also the green retro, which there's only 10 copies of that as well. Um, Technically, I don't think the retro variants are part of of an official rainbow. I don't know what if there's proper rulings about what completes a rainbow, but... I'm sure someone somewhere believes that there are proper rulings and they might let us know about it. I'm open to both of the green variants, the retro and the base, because I'll complete all the rainbow. Um, Nice. Okay, that's that's very exciting. So another thing that's very exciting is you're investing in my guy, and I think I might have found another card that you purchased, or at least close to the card you purchased. Colin Morikawa blue PMG out of 25. You said another one. So now you have two That's out right. of the 25. Yeah. I, I, I had the other one in my hand and I showed it to you in, a, in one of our last episodes. Um, and I was ecstatic about um, the price that I, I got for the card. I think I paid $110 Canadian shipped, which is like 80 bucks us shipped. Um, so I, I was actually, I was, I was at work um, about to meet with a customer and I w- pulled into the parking lot and was just checking my phone and I had an alert that there was a blue PMG listed. And so I checked it out and it was this one that you're looking at, uh, $99 for Colin Morikawa. And I started sweating saying, oh man, should I buy this second one? Because I know that if I wait until the end of the workday, someone else is going to snatch this up. Um, this is, I, I just... I think that person saw another auction that ended at um, $100 Canadian. I talked about this last time. That other comp that they may have been comparing to um, was from a Canadian seller. So the prices always sell a little bit less because there's less viewers looking at Canadian auctions. Um, And it was kind of like right around Christmas when nobody's really following eBay and all the other things I just said about the, the economy of sports cards. Prices were low, golf hadn't spiked yet, all those sorts of things. So I'm noticing if you understand the trends and you see someone posting a rare card based on the last comp, if you know what the economy was like at that last comp, you can justify what like a reasonable price is today. So I, I had my finger hovering over the, the buy it now button. Um, at the end of the day, I couldn't justify paying more for a second copy of a card because the, there's a lot of diminishing returns the more you have of something, the less valuable it is to you. If I didn't already have this card, I may have just snapped 
bought it. But I thought, oh, I, I'm not going to be as satisfied owning two of these. Like, I would love it, but it just doesn't seem right for me to pay more for my second copy. So I threw the guy an offer um, for the same price I paid for the first one. And I added a note in my offer saying, hey, I just wanted to let you know the last uh, sale was this amount. I'm paying, I'm offering a few dollars more, like $3.50 more than the last comp. Let me know if you're open to a deal. And the guy accepted it. So, nice. so, and by the way, another indicator of why I wanted to buy this as soon as it hit eBay is I posted the first copy of the blue PMG Colin Morikawa to my Instagram and it blew up. I got a lot of likes. I got a lot of comments. I even had a guy who I know PCs Colin Morikawa. He sent me a DM and he said, Hey, would you be willing to sell that to me? So maybe I'll end up selling it to him. Um, I just, I know that it's, it's a popular card. Yeah, for sure. For a lot of reasons. Get three reasons. It's out of 25. It's PMG. It's Colin Morikawa. So I think it's a good formula. All right. So speaking of a guy who checks a lot of boxes, I'm intrigued by a comment in your show notes that you bought some Michael Jordan golf cards. Is this right? That's right. All right. Tell, tell me more about this. I'm very intrigued by this. So for those who don't know, MJ was a ferocious golfer. He is even known to playing 18 or even 36 holes before an NBA game, which is ridiculous if you're an avid golfer. I mean, he would ride in the cart, so he didn't work out his legs too much on the course. But I mean, he... The, the fitness level he had is, is unbelievable. And he used to bet um, big money on the, on the course. So, um, I mean, when he retired in, what was it, 1994 or something, where he took like a year off, um, for those of you who have watched The Last Dance, you'll know, I think he won one or two championships, took a year off, and then he went on a tirade and won like, or, or maybe it's vice versa, maybe he won like four in a row, he took a year off, and then he won another one or two in a row. So um, uh, he did a lot of golf after retirement. And so sports cards like upper deck and then some promo type cards were printing. Um, we're printing a lot of like, how do I put this? Some of them even said like 1994, Michael Jordan retired and it would be him like swinging a golf club and there'd be like yeah. four or five different variations of that card. Um, and that was like a, an unlicensed card. Upper deck has put Michael Jordan in various golf sets. So um, you could get like SP authentic Michael Jordan base cards, Michael Jordan, uh, serial numbered golf cards. Um, you know, you've Paul just put up a sort of a base card on the screen. Yeah. Um, upper deck, uh, collector's choice, 1994. I mean, it only sold for $6. It's an NBA. It's from an NBA set. So this is what I'll say. Actually, card. what do you, you know, look for Mike? When you look for Michael Jordan golf cards, like what do you, are you collecting them or are you, looking for specific things with a Michael Jordan golf card as a potential flip. So as a potential flip, you're going to want to look at the higher end stuff. Um, all the purchases I've been making are for PC. I'm probably never going to sell them here. I'll show you a couple right now, actually. So um, if you don't mind, just put my, my screen on the big screen. So um, this is kind of the one I was first talking about. So these are the, uh, these were actually from the national. They were given out as like promo cards. And, you know, I just think they look awesome. You know what I mean? Like there's kind of this like, prism hollow type uh border on the card there's a facsimile autograph by mj on the card mm -hmm. i think that just looks cool and then this one is even cooler i think because it's got the golf um and his nba shot um side by side so these are examples of mj golf cards that i've been picking up 
Um, there's some other ones. You can check out my Instagram, golf underscore card underscore collector, golf card collector with underscores. Um, and I've posted, I think, three in a row, actually, of some low-end MJ cards that I picked up recently. Um, similar nature, you know, not, those ones weren't upper deck cards. They were just whatever promo cards, but they just look awesome. I'm happy to have them in my collection. Now, in terms of investing and flipping, um, there's, I forget what years, 2012 and 2014, for some reason, pop into my mind of SP Authentic by Upper Deck. Those ones had some, uh, nicer Michael Jordan cards that you could get in different parallels. So there's like a blue Sapphire version. You can get like a retail gold kind of version. Um, and, and that's, you know, Michael Jordan just pretty much posing as he's swinging a golf club kind of images. Um, and then there's also the iconic 2014 SP authentic number 69, which is Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods walking down the fairway together, kind of like sharing a laugh. Um, yeah, so that one just sold on March 14th in PSA eight for 112 us dollars. There you go. That's the one even put that up on the big screen. The and that's that more. Yeah. And so, yeah. So that one also sold two days earlier in PSA nine for $2 less than the PSA eight. And it sold, I mean, best offer accepted. So I don't have one thirty point up. You guys can do that, but uh, best offer accepted on a $430 buy it now of the PSA nine for that. So let me put that up for those of you watching on YouTube. Greeny green gave it the, uh, the thinking with the hand on the chin emoji. So I'm wondering what Greeny green's thinking. He says, nice. So uh, yeah, I mean, this that's is a really cool, cool I think card. This is a cool card. I actually, so this card came into play in one of the past deals I was telling you about, I think in episode one. So my, my 1996 Tiger Woods Sports Illustrated for Kids rookie. Um, I told you I traded somebody for it. Um, this is one of the cards I traded. Uh, so I traded this and then a LeBron patch card and another Tiger card. So uh, it, this is the, the hobby version, which is kind of like a silver uh, coloring. There's this gold, maybe you could call it brown version, which came, only came out of retail boxes. Believe it or not, golf used to have retail products. Um, which I would love to see again in the future. Um, but anyways, uh, I had the retail version, which was gold. Um, and I bought it raw. I graded it with SGC. It came out at SGC nine. And I think I paid $43 us for it. I paid, uh, $23 us at the time to grade it. So I had $66 us into it and the trade value I ended up getting in that tiger rookie deal um, we valued it at like 150. So very nice. Um, so that was a you know a way to, you know, I would say this is absolutely an investable card or a flippable card. The thing is, don't just go out and buy the first copy you see. Um, with a card like this, uh, put it on your save searches. Look for um, look for an auction and put a price that you feel is better than market value. So if you see this PSA eight selling for, I forget what you said, 140 or something like that. Yeah. Like 115, 115. So I'd throw it. Uh, if I came across this auction, I would put a $90 um, uh, high bid or $93 and 72 cents or something like that. That's you got to have like yep. an odd number. You, you do. You, and if you want to win, yeah. If you want to win an auction without waiting for the final 30 seconds or 10 seconds, that way mm -hmm. it does have to be like a, 
an odd numbered like $96.83 or something like that just so that you can uh, stay the high bid. Um, One more card. Okay. Believe it or not, that's MJ. Upper deck. Michael Jordan. That's upper deck exquisite golf. Um, This card, I've got a little tape on here because I'm going to send it in for grading. Um, I don't want it to slide around, but I'm not sure if I'll send this to PSA or BGS. Um, but yeah, this is this is numbered out of 125. Really cool card. It was one of my quote unquote grail cards when I first started collecting golf cards. Um, even though it's only worth maybe a hundred dollars, uh, it was just something I always wanted. So it took me about a year to pick it up. So we looked at the 2014 SP Authentic Michael Jordan Tiger Woods card. I just found on March 6th. There's a super short print sapphire edition of this card mike that's that's right that's the one i was mentioning at the beginning uh, it's like a blue sapphire version yep and it's sold in psa 9 for 599 dollars and 99 cents us one bid i like that i like well, that then it might not have actually sold then it yeah know. that's true uh kendall lefty mckee in the house uh co-host with me of the sports card strategy show which we're currently doing every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern time. So we'll see Kendall, more of Kendall on Monday. But uh, Lefty, if you want to chime in at all in the comments here on golf cards, uh, we'd love to know your thoughts. And Mike wants to talk about the watch list. So you got some stuff on your watch list here, Mike? Yeah, I do. Here, here's another MJ um, golf card. So this is actually on the back of the yes i'm familiar with that one yeah so kind of cool it's on the back of a card i was um, it was a cool card i i i remember when i was that card came out when i was nine or ten years old that set and those skybox they were at retail mm-hmm. and every time i went to the store with my parents i wanted to pick up I, I brought some of my own money and i wanted to pick up a pack of the skybox they had the coolest i mean you guys probably no, because you can still buy them today, like sealed packs and, and stuff like that. But just the coolest like foil on those packs. And that Michael Jordan card was one of the coolest cards when I was a kid because of the, I mean, all of them had like a unique photo on the back, but the fact that he's golfing on the back, I think is really cool. So um, Greeny Green says uh, real quick, is now a good time to buy Tiger, Mike? What do you mm. think about that? Um, I, I'm going to say uh, maybe... And no, I wouldn't be purchasing his 2001 upper deck number one. Um, reason being, uh, I've seen it come spike. I've seen it valley. I've seen it gone up and down over the last few years. Um, right now, it seems to be um, a lot higher than it was a few months ago. So, uh, and I don't believe in this. Um, I, I, of course, want to follow trends. But if a card's been going up long enough, especially with a guy like Tiger, I mean, he's not going to do a lot. Like, he could do something to elevate his career, but like he's set in stone. So it'll, it would take, you know, pushing the earth with his back to really um, uh, just explode again um, or if he passed away. But um, anyways, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, I, I and the, when I said maybe it's time to buy him, um, Short print stuff that you're never going to come across again. Don't let it pass you by if it's something you really want. And, th- and that's where I say, yes, it's, it's a good time to buy him. I have been buying some Tiger Woods cards, but it's not stuff that's at auction every day, every week, every month. I just have only been buying stuff that 
I've been on the lookout for for a year or two. Um, everything else can wait, in my opinion, until golf off season. So come September when when um, the tour championship's done and golf cards is going to be on my radar still, but a lot of the popular world is going to stop thinking about it. Um, that's that's kind of when it's time to buy those really liquid cards. Um, but going back to buy sell, there's there's actually one I forgot to mention. So uh, last summer, I bought. I saw an auction for three Tiger Woods rookie upper deck number one, 2001. And in my eyes, I had seen, seen those sell for as high as 50, 70, $80 raw. And I thought a lot of three, you could always get a discount buying in bulk. And I thought, you know, what's a price I'm willing to pay for a card. I don't really care about that much. Cause I already have copies of this card. So I thought, you know what, if I could win this at $12 per card shipped. So let's say like $32 plus $4 shipping. Um, I'd be happy with that. I'd, I'd be, I would buy a Tiger Woods rookie card at $12 US all day long. So I threw out that offer and I ended up winning the auction right around my high bid, which was great. And then um, I, I ended up, you know, card talk does play of the week. I, I should have submitted this as, as my play of the week because um, one of those Tiger rookies, which had like a little bit of a ding in the corner, I added it into a trade deal. So it was a little bit of trade bait. I ended up getting uh, one of my diamond relic cards. So who knows if I would have ended up making the deal work out if I didn't throw that in. Um, another one uh, as golf was just starting to, to become the golf cards were just starting to become popular. I sold it for $40 Canadian. So let's say $30 us. So that one sale almost made up for my whole purchase of the three. And then uh, I, I held on to the the third card until prices just kept going up and somebody paid me 60 or I think it was $65 shipped Canadian. So 50 ish us. Um, so I came out making $80 us plus part of a trade deal for a $36 investment. Um, so look out for, um, for, for, for bulk deals, lots, um, or, you know, super rare cards you're not going to come across every day. Um, I think I said this last time, I would buy almost any card for the right price. So, um, you know, Tiger's just, he's not an exception. I, I would buy any Tiger card if the price is right. Makes sense. Hope, hopefully that helps Greeny Green. Great question. Um, all right. Uh, eBay watch list. That's something I use. It's fun. Um, you've got some interesting stuff on your watch list right now, I think. Um, Maybe a Tiger promo CSG nine five. Maybe a Leaf. Yeah, yeah. So, so before we talk about the individual, daily. before we talk about the individual cards, I just got to throw it out there. So, um, like you did at the beginning of the episode, I'm gonna uh, shout out another YouTuber, Sports Card Dad. Yep. Um, he he posted a video the other day that really hit home with me, and it was about his sports card addiction. And I found it fascinating how many people just have impulse control when it comes to sports cards. And it may carry over to different aspects of your life, like the whole ADD culture that's been stemming from staring at your phone. Um, but one of the things he brought up in that video that blew my mind was how your eBay watch list can become an addiction. And he's totally right. Like I, I've got cards in my watch list that I have no intent of purchasing or that I just want to watch and see how much it sells for. It's, it's entertaining. It's an aspect, but it kind of takes away from other things I could be doing in the hobby or time I could be spending with my family or getting my productive work done. So um, I just want to throw it out there. Be careful with your watch list, everyone. Like don't have a hundred different cards you're watching for no reason. 
Um, but the cards you just mentioned, so we'll start with the Tiger Woods promo. So that's one of the ones that one of the listeners mentioned in, in a past episode. It's a 2001 promo card. It was, it was sort of short printed. Um, and it's, uh, what I found fascinating about that listing is that it was a, uh, CGC or not CGC, CSG, uh, 9.5. And it was the green label. So a CSG 9.5 in the old green label is actually gem mint, which mm-hmm. equates to the new C... CSG 10? CS... Yeah, CSG. Yeah. So I keep getting that company mixed up. So the new CSG 10. And, and so I thought, I mean, there's people that know that. Like hardcore hobbyists, no. But I, I thought this is going to have less eyes on it because less yeah. people are going to be thinking it's gem mint 10 because it's an... And all, you could buy that card, send it, to CSG and they would flip it over to a new label and it would say 10. So I thought, you know, I'm going to keep my eye on this auction. And I did. Um, there were other people with the same philosophy as me because it didn't sell cheap. Um, I did throw out an offer there. I didn't win the card, but um, I just found that fascinating um, that the concept of, of buying in an old label. And I wasn't even going to send it to PSA if I wanted, I was going to send it to uh, CSG and get a 10 because there's a risk if I send it into PSA um, that when I looked close at the card, it, it almost looked like maybe one of the edges had a bit of wear and like, it didn't look gem mint when I zoomed in on the picture. So anyways, that was my plan with the card. I thought it was kind of a interesting. I love thing. it. I love it. And just so, real quick, Mike, I know you got other stuff, but I wanted to chime in on this because we've been talking a lot about this exact play on the sports card strategy show. Our guy, Chad Gill, audience member turned analyst brought it up recently and there's a lot more content at nooffseason.com about it so everybody go check that out but the concept of now that PSA has been at $19 bulk value submission for a long time now the concept of buying cracking and submitting as raw in a bulk value submission on these these types of slabs can be very lucrative but to your point I do want to caution the audience I have bought some CSG slabs with the intention of cracking them and sending them into PSA. And I have noticed that a couple of uh, CSG tens in the new, in their new slab, which are actually pretty, they're pretty sick. I kind of like mm-hmm. them. Um, they don't look like they're going to be PSA tens. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still might submit them to PSA, but they, they don't look, I bought them kind of thinking, okay, this, this should have like a 90% chance of being a PSA 10. And they just look off center to me. So they're, 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 they're actually 2021 prism football cards. So I don't know. It, it definitely will depend on the card. It'll depend on a lot of factors, but I do agree with what you're saying. Like great job on the old, uh, the old CSG slab nine five, because I think you probably can get a deal there. But then if your intention is to crack and, and submit to PSA, um, just be careful with CSG. Um, you're never guaranteed a P you're never going to be guaranteed the same grade or a better grade for PSA. So that's totally, um, a hundred percent agree with you. Um, you said something I was going to comment on, but I forgot what it was. Anyways, uh, I'll, I'll move on to the other stuff. So on my watch list, I had a couple of John Daly leaf cards. So leaf, uh, released in the game used set, which had a card I was super hyped about. It was a John Daly uh, numbered out of two patch auto. It is a sticker auto, unfortunately, but uh, still looked super awesome. And the patch was like this really sick multicolored like sun with these 
rays coming off of the sun with different reds and yellows and oranges and stuff. And you could see like half of the sun's face. Yeah, if you throw it up on the screen, I'll confirm it. But anyways, I was super, super pumped about that card and it did actually hit the auction. It was the exact, I think it was, I forget if it was one out of two or two out of two, but it was the one that Leaf had put on their promotional post on Instagram. So it was the exact card I wanted. I didn't end up winning that auction. Um, That's the one, yeah. So yeah, just what do you think of this card? It's a sweet card. I mean, John Daly, for those of you who are not familiar, definitely will have this cult following from... He won the a U.S. Open in the early 90s, I think. And, you know, ever since then, he's been a golf superstar who can basically, I don't know, do like behave however he wants. And uh, and people love him. And um, he looks he looks kind of cool with this uh, white hair and white beard in this photograph, too. He always wears sunglasses. Um just kind of a cool guy. I think everybody, I, I think, I think it's hard to not like John Daly maybe. So fa- kind of fan favorite. So I'm, I'm a fan. I like this. This is interesting. This card sold. Um, let's see. You can keep going here, Mike, but yeah, this, okay. $190 and 50 cents, 29 bids. So pretty solid card. Mike uh, appears to be a little stuck. So I'm going to keep rolling um, until Mike kind of rejoins us here. But um, watch list, I agree, is is something that, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan of the watch list. Personally, I don't have any problems with it distracting me. But let, let me know in the comments if you agree with Sports Card Dad and with Mike about uh, the watch list um, being a distraction or being a good thing. Um, I did not watch that video. Um, Okay, uh, topic of the day I know Mike wanted to, dis- to discuss, and he's, he's back, so let's bring him back in. Mike, let's move, move to the topic of the day. So, sorry, sorry about that, Paul. <laughs> no problem. You have the most important golf card ever. Uh, yeah, for topic sure. Of the day. What, do you, what's, what is that? So, um, by the way, sorry, I just had some technical difficulties, but I'm back. Um, there was a post in my Facebook group, which is called Golf Cards and Memorabilia on Facebook. And somebody posted something they had pulled out from a PSA article or the PSA website. And it was the it was actually the, the Bobby Jones 1933 Gaudi um, Sports Kings card that I had talked about in a past episode. One of our listeners said, hey, I just picked up this Bobby Jones rookie card, 1926 Lambert something or other uh, tobacco card and said, what do you think about the purchase? And I thought it was a great purchase, but I like this 1933 Sport Kings Bobby Jones better because of the coloring and the iconic uh, aspects of that set because of other sports, baseball and all that kind of stuff. So um, anyways, I, I, I it was super cool that somebody posted that in our Facebook group um, and, and that PSA had called the most iconic uh, golf card or the most important golf card in history. And um, it sparked some conversation in the group. Um, I think I sent you, Paul, some screenshots if you want to share what some of what our members were saying. Um, but what what I found interesting was this was a PSA 9, I believe. Um, oh, you, you just pulled up, you know, a, a PSA 2 miscut. But um, the one that was part of the PSA article was a PSA 9. And uh, there is no 10 of this card so nine is the highest grade 
And um, years like a couple of years ago, I think the PSA nine sold for like thirty grand. So I imagine it's it's gone up in value in the last couple of years. So um, yeah, I just thought that was really interesting that PSA called it the most important golf card, even though the golf card community maybe had some arguments against that. Yeah, so you can walk us through the discussion here. I'm going to, for those of you listening on Apple and Spotify, I'm going to find these screenshots that Mike sent over to me, and I'll pull them up as best I can as Mike walks you through. It's it's not going to make for the most riveting visual, but it'll at least give everybody kind of a sneak peek of what was going on in this discussion. So this is is this the Golf Cards and Memorabilia Facebook group, and is that the one that you – are participating in slash running mike yeah exactly you can see the top image of the screenshot you got there golf cards and memorabilia i'm uh i believe i'm the primary admin there's three admin in the group um everybody's welcome to join just make sure you, you answer all the rules or you'll get rejected make sure you've got a reputable looking facebook profile or else we'll reject you because we get so many scammers and meme lords that try to join um but anyways i the consensus on this PSA article saying that the 1933 Bobby Jones Gaudi Sports King is the most important golf card ever was pretty much met with a lot of skepticism. Um, a lot of people like James Peacock here, who's a, a great contributor to our group, um, says, as much as I love this card, I personally feel um, the Copes set has much more history and importance in terms of golf card specifics. And I, the Copes um, might even be uh, the Bobby Jones rookie or possibly even prior to that with like um, uh, Tom Morris rookies and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I, I think the overwhelming consensus was that it's, it's odd that PSA called this card, the most important golf card. Um, we've got a guy in our group named John Morton. At, there you go. You pulled up some of his comments. Uh, John Morton is one of the most knowledgeable people on earth when it comes to vintage golf so shout out to you john thanks for all the contribution you do to our group and um, john's made some really cool posts on vintage golf cards he has extremely rare stuff stuff one of ones like he's got um i think it was john who posted the the bobby jones rookie 1926 he's got the original photograph print that the card was based off of in in a i think it's in a psa slab um, so anyways, John, John, um, is responding to my question here, um, saying technically, um, Bobby Jones could consider to have two different rookie cards. So the one that I mentioned, the 1926, um, which he calls the W590 strip card, uh, or sorry, the, the 25 to 31 W590 strip card and the 1926 Lambert and Butler card, um, and he goes on to kind of explain those two cards having circulation only within the U.S. and um, kind of not a, a a long reach of those cards. Um, the Lambert and Butler was UK based, um, so it didn't get much visibility in the U.S. Uh, the W590 was U.S. based and didn't get didn't get distributed anywhere else. The Sport Kings 1933. Gaudi card of Bobby Jones that PSA claims is, is the most important golf card ever. Um, John, our expert, claims there's has a lot of things going for it. So it was the most widely distributed Bobby Jones card. 
It was a US based product. It came from a multi sport set. So traditional base card, baseball card collectors would be exposed to this Bobby Jones card and actually have some familiarity with it. And it has tremendous eye appeal. And I totally agree with John when he says that. That's what I said when I first saw the card. It's got a beautiful, I think it's yellow backdrop. Um, his his torso and him swinging the club takes up you know the, the full uh, full surface of the card as opposed to some distant black and white picture of a guy standing in a fairway like it just has wonderful eye appeal as as a collectible um and then, he says, John Morton. and then lastly john said also the timing of when it was released because 33 was right when john right when bobby jones was um at the pinnacle of his career and pretty much was the face of the game so that that's why um from our group experts perspective psa is calling this card the most important golf card and another community chat from the golf cards and memorabilia Facebook group. What would you guys like to see um, moving forward with upper deck and its golf products? What was the response from that one, Mike? So Paul, I, I want to save this topic as um, for our next show. I, I actually want to spend too big to fit time. in in the next like five minutes. Yeah. You know, how about this? How about you and I maybe each share a little bit of what we want from upper deck and its golf products. And then, um, and then we'll save what we received from the community because we, we received an over, overwhelming number of comments. That's great. Um, so w- w- what I would like to see, which was echoed by others, is the exquisite product released for golf. So in a, not inserting it within multi-sport sets like Goodwin Champions, but having an entire exquisite set. Um, and I one thing that um, I haven't heard anybody else say... But, Upper Deck, you're listening. Actually, scratch that. Everyone is, is asking for this. <laughs> um, I would love to, to have golf cards that take uh, uh, some kind of um, artistic inspiration from some of the, the really popular ba- uh, uh, football and basketball sets. So like the 2008 Topps Chrome styling, where you know you maybe have like some circles with the golfer's name and then a really simplistic design chrome style where you can get like a base a refractor and then different colors and serial numbered parallels i think that would look super cool and then i mean uh similarly you could you could draw the the parallel to uh, prism so you know something with like a tops chrome or prism style border with you know the a, a really nice image of the golfer and maybe even some stats on the back. I think a set like that would be a departure from traditional golf sets, but I, I think it would, I, myself and a lot of other golf collectors I know, I think would eat it up and it would draw in collectors who have focused on other sports because of the appeal of that style of card. Anyways, that's my ask. I'll dive into the community's comments later. Paul, what do you want from Upper Deck and yeah. their golf products? So I'm bringing in the sports card investor, sports card collector, not just the golf card um, point of view. And I think it's it's important to note that because I have a lot of respect for the golf cards and memorabilia Facebook group and people who who know far more about golf cards than I do. But I think Upper Deck needs to do simpler things that other sports do that make it easier for 
sports card collectors and investors to get into golf cards. Like the, the number one most simple thing is you got to have a release every year. Like you have to have one release every year that is so stupid and it's detrimental to golf car. I would think, you know, the people in the golf car, uh, people, the audience of this show and hopefully this show gets shared throughout that group and in your Instagram following Mike, because I want to know from, from all of those people, uh, if they agree with me on that, but I think it's detrimental to the golf card community that upper deck doesn't get more sports card investors involved in golf cards by just simply doing the things that the other sports do, which is have a release every year that allows you to have rookie cards every year. The fact that you have guys in 2021 who have rookie cards, we talked about, we've talked about this in every other episode. The fact that you have a 2021 release with rookie cards from guys from the previous decade is extremely confusing and stupid. And it's probably one of the main reasons why golf cards aren't bigger than they are right now is because if you would have had a, at least one release every year, instead of coming out with four different releases in 2021, if they would have done one release every year, starting in 2015 or 2017, anyway, you can't go back in time and change the fact that they didn't do it, but moving forward, they've got to have at least one release every year. Um, I would start there. That allows you to have what everybody cares about, which is the rookie cards every year in the rest of the sports. I don't mean to say that everybody cares about that in golf cards, but everybody cares about that in all the other sports. That at least opens things up to basketball card people, football card people, um, baseball card people who are golfers and who like golf actually buying golf cards. I think until Upper Deck does that, golf cards are going to struggle a little bit in the mainstream. Now golf card people in the memorabilia group, golf cards and memorabilia group might not care. They might not want more people to get in. It might make things harder. I'm curious to their thoughts, but for me as somebody who would like to go out and prospect on the next big golfer, I can't. Scotty Scheffler doesn't have any cards other than two sports illustrated for kids cards, one in 2017 and one, I think in like 2021 or 2022. So I want to go out and buy Scotty Scheffler cards and there's one. I totally agree with what you said. So, uh, well, you said two different things. I mean, the the one that you really hit home there is a release every year so that you have a rookie class. And I've actually heard somebody who's fairly high up at upper deck talk. um, I forget if it was on a podcast sometime last year that when it comes to golf, they have actually attempted to create these rookie classes, um, but that it's a little bit more complicated than you would think. Um, I forget all the details that he said, but some guys, uh, might play in a PGA tour event, but they're not, they're still on the corn Ferry tour. They're not quite there yet. But so it's like, do they, do they become a rookie that year? And then they don't actually get their card for a few more years. And, or maybe they just totally fizzle out. It was a bunch of wasted effort to get them in the product, little things like that. That Um, makes sense. But I mean, baseball has the exact same problem and tops, you know, it's, it is, you know, our very own lefty McKee has talked about this on the sports card strategy show where it's not an exact science. There are baseball card collectors who get upset with tops on who's a rookie, who's not a rookie, but tops does have at least we think some kind of a formula, but they have the same dilemma. Um, you know, minor leaguers get called up. They, you know, they, they make, di- they make different determinations. So upper deck just got to figure it out. I mean, that's a, good, you know, like, I'm that's not... a really good point. I, I, I hear about baseball when it comes to uh, other hobbyists. I don't collect it at all, but you, you drew a perfect 
parallel there. I, I totally agree. The other thing you said was the golfers that they have, the, the players they have in the golf products. That was an overwhelming comment that we received from people is that some of the biggest names in the game who have been pretty big for the last year or two, or, or in some cases even longer, don't have cards. So you mentioned Scotty Scheffler. Absolutely. Will Zalatoris. Um, Matt Fitzpatrick, who won the U.S. Open. If you wanted to make a play on him, he doesn't even, I don't even know if he has a Sports Illustrated for Kids card. Uh, John Rahm, who's fighting between Scotty Scheffler and John yep. Rahm are kind of like back and forth for the number one golfer in the world. I was searching for John cards. Rahm cards last year and there were none. Yeah, there might be a Sports Illustrated for Kids. Maybe. I don't even know. I think there there's is. A, I think there there's is. like one or two leaf cut autographs of John Rahm yeah. that are like, it's just a piece of paper with his, his autograph on it. So it's, we need, we, you're right. We need product every year and we need the actual top golfers in the products. Um, I know that some of these golfers are not like other athletes. They demand like a huge price to, to sign cards and have their like likeness uh, printed on cards and stuff. And so Upper Deck might face a challenge where they have to um, make value decisions. They may have a budget and they can only get this many players sort of like in a fantasy league and they have to, they have to pick and choose which guys they're going to get. Um, golfers are kind of finicky that way. I don't know. If it's the nature of the sport, but they don't want to sit down and sign a bunch of autographs. And if they do it, they expect a big compensation. And um, so anyways, I, I agree with what you're saying. I think it might be a challenge for upper deck, but I don't really care about that. I, I think we have to put pressure on upper deck to, yeah. to deliver. Upper deck's, upper deck's been a done a bad job at hockey too. They've got a weird, they've got, you know, there's an NHL draft every year. But if you go back and you look at some of the, the hockey rookie cards, uh, young guns, they're young guns that it's not their rookie year. It's like their second or third year in the It's like their second or third year since they've been drafted. And so that's weird. But anyway, um, you know, there is in today's show, just kind of want to wrap up a little bit. My my sort of parting, parting shot, pardon the pun, is that um, – there's a lot of crossover between like you have to get creative in golf cards. There's crossover. We talked about Michael Jordan um, having golf cards. There's clearly crossover between golf and pop culture in a way. And uh, TW to that end comes into the chat and says, where is happy Gilmore's rookie card? And I just want to <laughs> say like, it's a, it's a funny question, but I did a whole analysis on, culture cards but but not just culture cards but specifically cards of fictional athletes and if you go to nooffseason.com and and hover over the sports card rankings in the drop down you'll see culture card rankings and you'll see that about half of them if not more are fictional athletes and their cards and what they're worth and if you want to join uh for a year for free to get all of the content at nooffseason.com email me at paul at nooffseason.com and you can see all of that uh, i do not believe happy gilmer gilmore is on there because i don't he doesn't happy gilmore has cards but there aren't but a lot of fictional athletes actually do have cards that are either licensed in some way or signed by the actor or actress who has played that athlete or um Kyler Smith is a, uh, I'm not sure, Mike, if, you, if you're familiar with Kyler Smith, but Kyler Smith is an artist that creates cards of fictional athletes specifically. And I'm not sure if, if uh, the gender of Kyler Smith. So we're going mm -hmm. to say they on this, in this particular show. But anyway, 
Kyler Smith, they uh, only produce, I believe, 25 of each of their cards. And so it actually makes them pretty, uh, or maybe 250. I could be getting mm-hmm. that wrong. I think there might be 250, depending on which Kyler Smith you're looking at. But when you when you put together some of the Kyler Smith stuff, they always sell for at least two to three to four to five X uh, on eBay as they do wow. when you can actually go to kylersmith.com and get get the card. So, th- so TW, my parting shot for today is there may actually be a happy Gilmore rookie card. I would recommend checking out Kyler Smith stuff for that just to see, cause that could be. That's good- really cool that, that you, um, that you've seen those. I mean, the only one that pops into my mind, I, I have actually seen a happy Gilmore. Uh, I think it was a flawless card, clearly a custom made card, yeah. possibly from Kyler Smith. Um, and I guess this is the episode of shout outs. So, I mean, uh, I don't, you know, we, there's a lot of podcasts and stuff out there. Make sure you subscribe to ours and, and listen to us. But um, uh, sports card nonsense. Uh, the guy there, Mike Geo, has a happy Gilmore flawless card. So if you head over to his Instagram, you could probably find it. And it's a pretty. Nah, he doesn't video. need anybody going to his Instagram. Let's <laughs> everybody Instagram. listening to this hit up Kyler Smith and tell right. that person that we want to have them on the show. Yeah, we talk about you. the cards that they're creating because they're doing an amazing job. We don't need to help out Mike Geo. He's, <laughs> he's Mike, Mike Geo's a confrontational guy. I don't know him personally, but he, he's got some pretty aggressive banter. So you're right. We, let's not call anybody out. Um, no, you know, and, and before I go, just on our kind of parting thoughts, um, you know, you, you sparked um, a thought about uh, custom cut cards. So there's different uh, people out there on Instagram and, and YouTube that do carving cards. So they'll c- cut out borders on, let's say, Topps Chrome cards, and then they they cut out the athlete and have them uh, three-dimensionally sticking out of the card. And some of them can look really cool. And, and as you said, some of them can actually hold some surprising value on the secondary market. So um, I've always dreamt of having like a Tiger Woods with like a red uh, either prism or or tops chrome border um you know pretty much any of his poses where he's uh, infamously like winning a, a major tournament so if anybody out there has any lines on those hit me up i think that'd be a pretty cool thing for the pc um absolutely well mike lacusta any other any other uh final thoughts before we let everybody go for this episode of the golf card strategy show as you already said we will be back soon uh with an episode mm-hmm. with a fifth episode where we already have quite a bit uh planned for that so and any other any other thoughts before we uh sign off mike yeah uh you know follow follow us on instagram mine is golf card collector with the underscores underneath hit me up on email if you want to work out any deals if you've got golf cards uh that's hole in one golf cards at gmail.com um, you know, one, one last thing, just a parting thought I want to leave people with is, um, you know, subscribe to the channel so you can follow us, drop down comments. If you have questions about golf cards, I, I want to have a, an engaged community. Feel free to check out golf cards and memorabilia group on Facebook and make a post asking for advice or, you know, posting cards you have and trying to make deals. I, I just love the more conversation the better. Uh, you, you you asked a question, Paul, earlier that I never answered, which was, um, do we want more eyes drawn to the golf card niche 
um, which would then raise prices and it would be harder for us collectors to be buying the cards we want. And you're absolutely right. It's sort of a catch-22. Um, I don't want to have to spend more money on the cards that I, I savor for my own personal collection. But at the same time, I think overall, I definitely do want more eyes on it. And that's why I'm doing this show with you. That's why I try to produce a little bit of content, have my Instagram where I post pictures of cards. I'm trying to get more people interested in about golf cards because then there's more people to uh, buy, sell and trade with. There's more people to lobby upper deck to produce these better, better products, to listen to the feedback from the community. So um, all in all, I, I'm all for um, promoting. Now, when it comes to individual listings on, on eBay, I might not be shouting out which listings I'm following that I'm trying to win because then, you know, it's drawing attention to what I'm trying to get. But, um, yeah. but yeah, that that's my parting thought. And, and, and as people join the communities and get into golf cards, be careful with what you're doing. Ask for advice. Do a lot of research before your first purchase. I just heard of somebody spending $120 on five Tiger Tails rookie cards. If you don't know about tiger tail rookie cards it was like a little insert in every single pack from 2001 you can buy the entire tiger tail set which is like 30 cards for 20 bucks so to hear somebody spending 120 dollars on just five of them it just sort of breaks my heart so and i don't want anybody to get scammed or, or ripped off and then not be interested in the rest of the great stuff that we have going on that's a great point mike um check out mike and the, the golf cards and memorabilia group on Facebook and um, ask for help. If you're just getting into to golf cards, sounds like a great community. I wish I would have asked around for a lot more opinions when I first got back into purchasing cards. Um, I kind of, I kind of did jump in and learn some lessons the hard way. So appreciate Mike throwing it out there, everybody. Thanks so much for watching and listening to the golf card strategy show, part of the nooffseason.com sports card content network. I'm Paul Hickey with nooffseason.com. He's Mike Lacusta, golf card collector on Instagram with the underscores. Everybody, thanks so much and have a great day. 